0: This week is chapter 4. It should have been chapter 4 in your lesson and it's called Growing in Christ Lightness. So let's pray and then we will um, dive into a couple texts of Scripture um, and I'm hoping that you will interact with me and get lots of answers and good explanations. Father, thank you for a new night. Thank you that you've helped us survive the day. Um, that you know... When days are long and when days are difficult, you know when days are easy and light, and I pray that wherever all of us and those in other classes might be today and the might find themselves, that you would um, meet us where we are with your word and use it to um, encourage and provide strength, you would use it to shape us into your image, which is the goal for which you have saved us. So help us to have a good discussion tonight. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Alright, so if you have your Bibles, uh, I'd like you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1 to start. so I don't hear page turning, I'm going to assume that you all have digital Bibles. As I do. Okay, so if you just look with me here at Ephesians chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 3. We won't read very far, but I'd like just to set our discussion of growing in Christ's likeness in the context of God's redemptive work in, in everything. Okay, so big picture, looking at the forest rather than being stuck in the forest and only seeing a tree. Let's take a big sky view and look down. And Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. And here's the key verse or the key phrase. So he chose us in Christ before he created the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So even though it does not that text does not specifically say Christ likeness. Even though that text does not say growing in Christ likeness, we see that God's eternal plan for for every for the life of every one of His children is that they would be holy and blameless in His eyes, and that only happens if you were would read the entirety of the book if that individual is in Christ. So there's this Christ identity, this Christ uh, Christ like character that is is the goal. So that's set in the. The grand scheme, so growing in likeness. So here's where I, I need your help. If if I were a brand new believer, and 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 Pastor can asked you to disciple me. I said, okay, Edwina, I would like to know how do I how do I be I'm okay I'm supposed to be like Christ. How do I how do I grow? In this whole thing called the Christian life. So, what what do we say? How do we coach that person along? First, you gotta read words to
1: find out about
0: Okay. What? Wives. Wives having plural wives, so having multiple <laughs> wives, like me. I think that's a.
2: Worship that's probably
0: uh, <laughs> bad advice,
2: <Maddie. laughs>
0: But okay, I mean it worked for some guys in the Old Testament. So. Worship
2: instruction, fellowship, evangelism.
0: So you're gonna tell a new believer? No,
2: but break
0: those down. Okay, so t- so break that down. That's what I'm. That's what I'm.
2: Worship. Mm-hmm. Like have, okay. You know, just somebody more mature to go outside. You know, okay. To, you know, fellowship with other friendly groups. Talk. I mean, your fellowship group should be talking about the Lord and how it's working in your
0: life. Mm-hmm. It's not like a lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: well,
0: it to. is. <laughs> I mean, how... But how do, I guess, how does that all make me Christ-like? How does that work? So, okay, I go to church, and I learn these really weird songs. You know, the, these big words.
2: I think Christ-like, you have to know who he is. to know who he is. You have to learn his word. It means that to learn his character
0: and learn to model your life after him. Okay, so I, I read his word, and it seems like it's... Okay, so I go to Genesis. It's telling me about some old dude named Abraham, right? And he's taught, telling me about the... I read all these stories, and then I get on the prophets, and I'm like, what? What are these locusts and these flying wing things with... With you uh, normally
2: have a new Christian start in the New Testament? I mean,
0: that's what, well, I'm, I'm, that's what I was always told. Start in the New
3: Testament. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm playing <laughs> double that. It's not, a, it's not an instantaneous... Uh, I salvation. Mean, the, the, the process of salvation is an instantaneous change mm-hmm. in one's relationship with the Lord. But becoming a seasoned or a veteran Christian takes years and years and years and years. You know?
0: Yes, but how does that how does that happen? I know it's, it's years and years and years, but if, if a new believer is coming to you and saying, help me guide me, direct me, set me, set my feet on the right path so that that end goal is where I end up getting.
2: The first thing is the Word.
3: Second Peter says, desire the Word as newborn babes, desire the sincere mouth of the Word. In other words, the, the first instruction that I've ever given any believer is to start reading, as Betty says, start reading God's Word. Doesn't have to be in Genesis, could be anywhere, the Gospel of John or Mark or any place to start finding out what uh, what it's really all about, besides the fact that Jesus died for your sins on the cross and now you have accepted that and trusted Him as your Savior. Beyond that, there's a whole lot more to learn about who God is and, and His magnificence, His glory, His majesty, His sovereignty, all those things. Christ's deity, all those things have to be learned as you go along and that verse in Second Peter I mean First Peter and Second uh, Timothy tell us that we get that through the word okay. and it, it makes us to know more about him, the word tells us that we will become more Christ-like as we learn to know him okay doesn't make us perfect. doesn't make us necessarily holy, although we're supposed to strive for holiness. But...
0: Pete, you look either deep in thought or... Uh... Well, I was going to say similarly. You know,
1: having them read the, read the Word, wherever it is. But then from that, have them ask you questions. You know, have them start somewhere and have you ask you questions. And try to answer them. If you can't, come back to them later with an answer. So it's it's, it's uh, you know just looking at it from where I was. You know, I, I went through and I read the Bible all the way through, and I had questions. I started coming to church, came to church, and I asked some questions. To people to helped help me through. Them, you know, and I, I look at it that way. You know, it's it's. I think it's almost impossible for someone to just go in and say, I'm going to teach you all this when they don't know what's really in their heart relative to what they're trying to understand. You know, some of the questions... I'm just saying you don't know what questions that they have until they start reading and asking those questions.
0: Yeah. So let me just... uh, all, all that we're saying is good. And we could think of a million things that we would want to tell somebody. Um, I, I would actually like to... So there's a myriad of things that you would want to say. For our purposes tonight, in the sake of simplicity, my mind immediately went to what you have all echoed, the Word of God. So 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 says like newborn babies <clears throat> crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the lord is good so crave pure spir- spiritual milk that that is just a nice flowery metaphorical way of speaking of God's re- written revelation so crave pure spiritual milk so that, so here is the result of that craving of the pure spiritual milk of the Word of God. So that we are grown up, we are built up into the salvation that we already possess. So we could then say that the Word is the key to our likeness. So, but I'd like to tease that out a little bit more, <clears throat> because if we were to say, "Oh well, you know, just in the word," well, but I think that that is, uh, if I could put it this way, it's it's Christian, it's like Chinese, it's Christianese, it's just like it's Christian lingo that we say because all of us have probably been believers for at least a decent amount of time. So it. it it just makes sense to, oh, well, you know, be in the Word. It's like my son. Or, well, not yet, but, you know, eventually he's going to come home and I'm going to say, hey, what did you learn our church? Um, Jesus. God. Bible. You know, and he's just going to, like, throw out these, like, answers that are just... Because he's not paying attention and he knows that he can just get away with it by you know, just saying, like, these standard, easy, simple answers. And we, we say, oh, well, the Word it's the key to our growth. But I want to try to tease that out. Well, how is it that the word is the key to our growth? So, first off, I think that we need to not um, be mindless or not be uh, oblivious to the fact that it is God's word. Because I sometimes think that we say, "Oh, well, you got to be in the word. You got to be in the word." Like this book is some magical book. Well, let's remember who is the author of this book, right? This is not uh, solely an intellectual endeavor, right? Because we're coming to this Word which is authored by God and it is about God for a relationship with God, right? So it's intellectual, but it's also relationship, yes? So you have
2: to pray for understanding.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But how would you even know that you need to do that apart from the Word? <clears throat> so I think the Word is the key, but let's, let's just break this down even to more basic elementary things. So first you have to know the Word. right? You have to know the facts of God's Word. And that even be- begins with obviously knowing God in a saving way. so you have to know god's word so that means i know maybe i commit to memory verses of scripture but i know what god's word has to say but certainly that isn't enough right because there are professors at the university of michigan who might be religious scholars who are unbelievers yet know god's word better than our pastor So it's not merely just knowing God's Word and the facts of God's Word. It's number two, believing God's Word. So if we want to help take a new believer from A to Z and at least try to get them on the trajectory of like, this is how you get there, we can't, I mean, we're going to blow their mind. If we try to start saying, "Well, you got to do this, 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 this," all of a sudden you're like, "Whoa!" I mean, okay, it's the Word of God. Get to know the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. So you're you're believing what is in front of your face, and then I would suggest we must apply. God's word in every circumstance of our lives. So know, believe, and apply. Knowing God's word, believing God's word, and then applying God's word to our to our every circumstance. And to to slightly alter that and to couch it from the relational side so that I'm not neglecting that it would be knowing God it would be trusting God and obeying God because we don't want to make this again an intellectual pursuit solely it is intellectual but it is relational so how do we grow in Christ likeness Christ likeness we must know his word we must believe it and we must apply it. We must know the author of the word. We must believe or trust that the author of the word, and we must obey In every circumstance of life. And I think that is that is absolutely critical. So how does someone grow in Christ's likeness? Turn to James chapter 1. I think this will hope you probably all know this anyway but James chapter 1 will help us see this every circumstance idea James chapter 1 verse 2 says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So that you could be Christ-like. So we must know the Word. We must believe what God has said. We must trust God. And then we must go and apply His Word in every circumstance of our life. We must obey Him. Right? Trust and obey for the Lord. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. It's just that simple. And it's just that stinking hard. Because this text says that God allows trials and junk, the mess of life, to enter our individual lives. And those, that, that mess tests our faith, tests whether or not we really believe God's Word, tests whether or not we really trust the God behind that Word. And so that is why it's absolutely necessary that we know it, that we believe it, and then that belief gets fleshed out in the everyday circumstances of our life. And and then we grow. Because we see, you know what? This circumstance really sucks. But God is good. God is good. And that's hard but we only learn that when we're in the middle of the joke. We only actually can ever truly appreciate the goodness of God when everything else goes to the power. So how do you grow? I'm sorry, new believer, to tell you this, but you did not sign up for an easy life. You signed up for a road of hardship because God is going to work in you like he says in Philippians, and he will accomplish his good work. But it ain't going to be easy. It is going to be some deep and some dark valleys that are going to test your faith. And at the end of the day, your genuine faith is going to produce endurance and endurance Christ-likeness. So we must know God and His Word. We must believe God's Word and trust the God behind that Word. And we must apply that Word to every circumstance, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Obeying God even in the mess. So, not to get too personal, but where are you at? Where am I at? If you just take those three things, where, where are you at? Are you, are you on that trajectory of growing in Christ likeness? Are you today more Christ like? And I hated this question when the pastors would ask, but are you more Christ like today than you were this time last year? Are you more Christ like today than you were five years ago or two years ago? Are you progressing in your knowledge of God's Word, your deep-rooted trust in God and His Word? Is that being demonstrated, that belief being demonstrated in the way that you live? Because when you when you sin, when I sin, it's, it's a demonstration of my lack of belief and confidence in, in what God says. Because I sit there and say, even though I don't, like none of us are like, oh yeah, we were processing this, right? And like in record time and thinking, okay, yes, I don't trust God in this. So I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z because I definitely don't trust God. No, we almost don't even think about it. And then we go sin and then we're like, you idiot. Of course you didn't trust God, but yes, you do. But that sin actually does reveal like the fickleness of our human sinful heart. That we really don't think God's got it all together. And we want to control everything. But where are you at? Where is your knowledge of God's Word? Where is your confidence in God's Word? Are you trusting God? Do you trust Him? Is there any area of your life where you do not trust Him? Where you sit there and you say, you know, God, this is the circumstance you doubt me. Your word, yet your word says this. I'm really having a hard time jiving those two things together. Man, that's that's hard. And which is going to cave? Are you then going to? I think the genuine believer, the person who really trusts God, when they're faced with that, that those two things. This really awful situation in their life where they're like, you know what? This makes me this this makes me genuinely question what God has said in his word. But at the end of the day, which wins? Does God trump your circumstances or does your circumstance trump God? Not to use a really bad name right there. I, think. <laughs> I didn't think about that ahead of time, I promise. Because what often happens is we are so overwhelmed by our circumstance that we then allow that circumstance to shade our view of God. And then our view of God is, He's not that believable. He's not that trustworthy. He's not really good. Or, over time, this doesn't necessarily happen immediately, we say, I don't know how these two things work out. But God says this about Himself, and I believe this. So this cannot be denying what God has said. So somehow this fits. I might not know how. This is the mystery of life. And this is the mystery of being God's child, and thank God He's sovereign. We're we're not. But then we say, you know what, God? You say this is what who you are and what you're all about. And I choose to believe this, even when life seems to contradict that. But I know. I believe but help my unbelief because I don't believe like I should. But that is the messiness of growing in Christ. Yes. So how are we doing? But I'd suggest that maybe another way of evaluating your own life and, and my own life is not just how am I doing in my knowledge, my belief, and my application, but what about Maybe using a different uh, grid, like Jesus grid, when he he summarizes everything in the Old Testament. The law and the heart of the law is to love God and to love your neighbor, and that kind of puts it a little bit more shades the relational side. So, how are you doing? If you had to really seriously evaluate yourself, there, are you growing? in your love for God? Is your relationship with God significantly better and significantly closer than it was a year ago or five years ago or two years ago? Is your love for Him then demonstrated by obedience to His Word? Because First John is absolutely crystal clear that those who love Him obey Him and that His commands are not burdensome to them. What about love for others? Because love for others is the outgrowth of a love for God. Because we we can't love others until first we have been loved by God and we love God ourselves. Take the... Or not. You can put on a speakerphone. We'd like to talk. To you.
2: Oh,
0: <laughs> so maybe you could this week... Take those two kind of different paradigms with a slightly different emphasis on uh, the intellect and the relationship and, and consider. Take some time to really put some thought to where are you at? Where am I at with my love for God and my love for others? Where am I at with my knowledge of His Word, my belief in His Word, and my application of His Word? And lastly, so see, I'm gonna finish again, unless you guys ask lots of questions. I'm gonna finish again early. This is good. Maybe I should do less notes more often. But I start saying stupid stuff, so that's why I try to write more. <clears throat> I like to read you somewhat of a lengthy state two statements. I hope they're not too lengthy. I'll read them several times. But I like to kind of be, have this be a, somewhat of a conversation starter slash prompter to get you to talk and, and just kind of see where it goes. I don't have formal questions right now, but I wrote this the very first thing that I wrote down when I started thinking through this lesson. So it's two statements that are connected. First statement is, we can't grow together if we aren't growing individually. Second statement is we can't grow individually if we aren't growing together. So first statement, we can't grow together corporately, like church, right? That's the context I'm thinking. We can't grow together towards Christ-likeness if we aren't growing individually towards Christ-likeness. And conversely, we can't grow individually towards Christ-likeness if we aren't growing together towards Christ-likeness. Do I need to repeat that again?
3: It almost sounds like an impossibility. I mean, theoretically. I, I understand the statements, but...
0: Then explain the statements because it, try try it give, give give me your best shot because okay. I don't I don't as, know if that makes sense or not as what a I, church.
3: In order for the church to grow, what you're saying and the, the statements are saying is that the individual members of that church or that body of Christ have to be growing as individuals. They have to be becoming be becoming more Christ-like in order for the entire assembly. To grow. And that, not just grow spiritually, but I'm sure that's what the statement means is to grow spiritually. Yes. I'm not talking new I don't care enough. about that. So the church as a whole is uh, exemplifying Christ's likeness because the individual members are. But and if they're not, on the on the negative side, if the church members aren't, then the congregation can't. So you can't even think about that second statement That you know, if the church is growing, the people are growing. It, it, it has to be both at the same time. And that, that's the way I take that. It, and it, it, it goes. It's, it's you can't have one without the other. It's not. It's not apples and oranges. This is apples and apples. Um, you, you have to have that occurring all at the same time. And the church will help us grow if we utilize it, learn from the teaching, learn from the preaching, learn from the fellowship, learn from the experiences of our fellow Christians that we hear and talk about and pray about and get answers to prayer about and all those things. And as we all do that as a church, we're growing individually and... Well, I, I I can't see it as separately dependent one to the other, but that's yeah. how I see what he's
2: trying you know to say. Try I agree with the second statement. I mean, why so let me We grow personally. We
0: cannot grow individually if we aren't growing together.
2: Like growing together
0: or Christ-like. Yeah. So here's here's what I'm what I'm so. First off, let's. I'll I'll go from your end. So for our church, our local, just think CBC. Don't think of other churches. Don't think of the universal churches. Just think of CBC. If CBC is going to be a church that is Christ-like, right? The church is not the set of programs that make CBC unique from another the church down the street. CBC is us. So for CBC to be Christ-like, that means that you and me and everybody else in our church have to be indiv- individually, independently Discipline unto godliness. Right? We all have to be growing towards Christ's likeness for the entire entity to be growing towards Christ's likeness. Does that make sense? I agree. I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that we couldn't have a reputation as a church, you know, so we got some runs over there. That doesn't mean that like I'm not trying to say that like we're now all of a sudden a heretical church or an illegitimate church, but in order for our church to be a Christ-like church, the individual members have to be growing in Christ-likeness in order for our church to be a healthy Christ-like church. Because the church is its members. Now the flip side of that, and what I'm really trying to say, maybe it's more provocative than I attempted to try to make it, but what I'm trying to get at with the second is we can't grow into Christ's likeness individually if we aren't growing towards Christ's likeness together. So what I'm trying to get at is some people have this notion that they can just be these isolated Christians. You see, we need each other. I can't go home Sit on my bed and watch Joel Osteen every week, or whoever Charles Stanley, or John MacArthur, and then and then be grow be growing spiritually under Christ's likeness. And that one I think is a hard pill to swallow. I, I'm not trying to make an absolute, definitive statement. Like there's not that one guy, you know, and but. God's plan, according to his word, is that there are no isolated, disconnected Christians. Christians, when they become Christians, are united to Christ and thereby united to his church, right? So we inherently have this bond with other believers. And if we are not, then expressing that bond by some sort of membership or some sort of connection with other believers in the in and through the local church. I don't think that we can be clicking on all cylinders in our growth and trajectory towards Christ likeness. So we are dependent upon each other and the, each other is dependent on the individuals. So the whole thing is dependent on the individuals decide, disciplining themselves into godliness, yet the people who are disciplining themselves into godliness are dependent on the whole thing, all working together. Let me let me just throw out some examples of what I what I mean. Who of us actually can clearly see ourselves for who we really are? Who of us Can actually see ourselves for who we really are not a single one of us because we have our own perspective of who we are and it's always better than we than than we actually think always even if we think we're you know the bottom of the barrel there's still something there's that inherent latent pride in us that always makes us think better of ourselves than we are that's why scripture says Stop thinking of yourselves better than you are. Be humble, because the natural tendency isn't humility; it's pride. And even in our grossly over demonstrations of supposed humility, at times, you know, our low self esteem is really some whacked out evidence of our pride, because we want to be the center of the universe. So, how does this? we not being able to see ourselves clearly or accurately have to play into this well if our goal and our aim is likeness and we are individually going to his word and allow and we're knowing his word we're believing his word and then we're applying the word to our life in every circumstance we need other people to come alongside of us and say hey dude you are way off hey you're not seeing this whole thing that you're you're saying you're like believing, but it's not. It's see, look at this; it con- contradicts. See, we need each other. I mean, what about those of us who uh, have a propensity to struggle with just the anxiety of life? The weight of this world is weighty, and it overwhelms. And so. We get so locked in on the tree, the, the sequoia tree that is in front of us that, it, that you can drive a Mack truck through that we can't be lifted up and see the forest from the tree. And we need other believers to rip us out of that preoccupation and we need to be lifted up. We need people to hold us up. when we can't discern what the wisest or right path is, when we have seemingly impossible options in front of us, we need each other to come alongside and help. You see, we can't grow under Christ's likeness. We can't achieve that goal without each other. Yet, we can't achieve that goal without discipline individually. So that's what I desire to impress him, is that we need each other and we need individual effort. We must, as second Peter, I believe it's Second Peter chapter one says, we must make every effort, every effort. So we must strain in discipline that
3: yeah. you know, what you just said about we need each other. Um, there's a lot of times. Uh, it probably could. If, if you think it can happen in a small church, I'll, I like to call Carrico a small church. Just to uh, think, him and I got going difference between inner city and, and community
0: here, but they're almost as big as us. It, it,
3: it even happens in, in a large church like inner city. You don't need to know the details of people's lives when you you try to uphold them. All you need to know is that somebody's struggling with something. You don't necessarily know, what is it? I got a a problem in my life. Can you pray for me? Okay, sure. And when that person then prays for Ken Fisher, and instead of being able to tell someone, hey, you know, Ken Fisher's got X, Y, and Z going on. He needs your prayer. Just say, you know, I've been praying for Ken Fisher lately. And he, he... he needs our prayer. Now you got your other friend praying for Ken, and you know, so on. And now you got five or six people that know that I've got an issue or a problem, and you come to me and say, "Hey, I've been praying for you. How's it going? Good." You don't know what the problem is, or I could tell you, "Hey, you know what? My problem is solved." Oh, great! Lord answered our prayer. Yeah, He did. That's how I know. I've grown through my trial and you've grown by praying for me and I give you an answer to my prayer and you see God at work and uh, you've grown closer to the Lord, I have and if I were a member here at CBC CBC would be growing because of that, just the simple circumstance of, of life that you pray for something, whatever it is
0: So my three goals tonight How do we grow? We know God's Word. We believe God's Word. We apply God's Word. Or, said in a slightly more relational way, we know God, we trust God, we obey God. Second, how are you doing? I encourage you to take the next week and try to evaluate that. How are you personally doing in your track towards Christ's likeness? Do you know God and His Word? Do you believe and trust God and His Word? Do you obey and apply God's Word in every circumstance of your life? Do you love God as everything that you are? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? And lastly, do you realize how important both sides of this coin are? Your personal discipline unto godliness and your connection to the local church. Because you can't do this on your own, yet you have to put in the effort. You can't do it on your own, and I can't. We need each other. There is no such thing in Scripture, at least, of an isolated believer. just doesn't make any sense. So we must be plugged in, in tune, shoulder to shoulder in the trenches, working our own tails off and helping each other be like Christ. Because, as Ephesians 1 says, the whole grand scheme of God's plan is to present you holy and blameless before Him. And that's what he's predestined everything for, is so that we one day would be glorified and with Christ and like him. That's pretty awesome. And that's what he's doing. So let's get, let's dive in on that track. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this week. Thank you for uh, just the circumstances of life that, that help just infuse passion behind our individual pursuits of Christ-likeness. Would you work in, in the, I don't know, eight of us or however many there are here tonight, that you would uh, stir within us a, a personal discipline and commitment to pursue you with all that we have? And that we would be contagious to other members of our church that our, that, that our Christ-likeness and our, our passion for that would, would be caught by others and that you would transform our church and that you would make us a, a, a church that is like your Son, a pure and holy bride for, for you. And and God, you can do that. That's your desire. That's your plan. That's your goal. That's what you will do. guaranteed in the end, but we desire that you do it now. And and we know um, that that road is very likely to be painful. And so we ask for strength and help and endurance and joy amidst the pain, knowing that you are at work in our lives. In your name I pray.